Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 26th of March 2017. I'm sure we all have our fleeting moments, sometimes not so fleeting and sometimes not so, well, there aren't so much moments as, as eternities occasionally when you, you wonder if, if you're crazy or is the world around you simply crazy? Because you'll find your reality and understanding of what reality is has to be carefully examined. In fact, strip bare to the, to the basics to find out what reality is all about. Because you're trained to believe in a version of reality. And without this belief in it, in fact, you might crack up. If you look at old, even children's series going back to the 60s, 70s or whatever on television, and uh, you find that, that there are definite characters, adult-type authoritarian characters who, who who always kept the world safe. Whoever they happened to be, they kept the world safe. And the children could look up to them for respect and believe in them because these mature characters were trustworthy, honest, and did the right things to save everybody. And that's what you're taught. And you grow up with this whole understanding of that's what it's all about. You you think that's what the police are there for too. You think that that's what your military is there for, to do the right thing and protect you, etc., etc., on your behalf. And that's really where it breaks down. It's when you realize, is it really on your behalf? And of course it is not. It's, it's on behalf of those who rule your nation. And I don't mean the politicians. That's what reality is all about. And we get clashes of it occasionally. I'm sure everyone experiences it once in a while. I say mostly fleeting. Uh, when you say, wait a minute here, this doesn't mesh with my indoctrination of reality. And, and you're right, it, it probably doesn't. And that's, that's why you have to understand you're living in a very um, a fictitious authoritarian system which mandates that you believe in a particular fashion so that you can cope within that system, uh, cause no problems to the masters above. Uh, in fact, most folk are oblivious. They think the politicians are the masters. And they don't realize there's, there's a, very, a very complex system of control over everything in your life and everybody in your life as well. You'll find, for instance, that every nation has very dark closets, you might say, in their history, very dark, which are often completely uh, hidden from the general public. And even uh, for those who participate in the darkness at times, making it dark, uh, they're given limited access to what they even participated in. And that's how you, you stop a bigger picture ever forming of something, including massacres, atrocities, and even genocides, is by uh, compartmentalizing those who participate in the actual horror themselves, who, who bring it on and are part of it. You'll find in human nature, too, that people rationalize things very easily, very easily. It's completely different from, again, from, from this, this, the childhood indoctrination you get where you're taught that adults, when you're a child, adults behave responsibly and, and very maturely and they're wise and they have wisdom. 
and they have this thing of honesty, something that you think is as a child you really respect because you find amongst your fellow children, your peer group, uh, there's a lot of dishonesty. And even in toddlers, you see them stealing each other's toys and things and saying they didn't do it. Well, that goes on through, through life, or into adulthood, etc. But and when you find adults who lie on such an incredibly massive scale and say it so simply and so easily during interviews, it can turn something inside you to, to stone the way it's said. When you realize what you're hearing, if applied in another time, not maybe not long ago, or maybe maybe just still to come, or in a different place, it could be an absolute horror show. Absolutely, that's how it's done. And this happens all the time. And those in power understand what I'm saying perfectly well. They have lectures upon it and how to manage the populations and how to keep us in the dark, etc., etc., at the end of World War II, for instance, there were many, many attempts to find out which troops coming home would discuss the fact they'd been involved in massacres on the, upon the enemy. It took 50 years sometimes for people from World War II uh, to, to begin to even admit this ever happened. Because your forces, which represent you, as a kind of an extension of you, you might say, these forces have to have some kind of respect to survive. And you, to, to pay and keep them and all the rest of it, must have that respect as well. And it doesn't jive right when you, when you think that, that they could be as bad as anybody else, which they, of course they are, as anybody else across the world in warfare because sanity goes out the window. War is authorized insanity. In fact, it's mandated from the top. And if you don't get involved in the insanity, even with this wishy-washy um, public relations propaganda bursts that they give to the public as to why you're going to have to go and fight in this war, which is always a pithy uh, excuse to even admit that. You can't give complex answers to the public. They must be simplistic propaganda stories, basically. Uh, just repeated over and over and over again. And once again, what, what makes it work upon the public is this training you've had all your life that, that somehow adults uh, and people are older than yourself are wiser, more honest and respectable, etc. Uh, and nothing is further from the truth. We're always being lied to by governments, and that's the way that they operate. That's the way they've always operated. And try to look into some things that should concern you. Um, to do with, for instance, even your drinking water, even in your local level, and, and you'll get so many cover stories and, and nonsense given to you. And if you go and, go and, and say, well, can you mind if I check it myself? Uh, then you'll find the brick walls come up. That's how it really works. You'll find it going to really deep areas too, which um, are scary areas as well, to do with uh, what happens to all your nuclear radioactive waste. Uh, when you have spent, I mean, they call it spent fuel rods, but they're not spent at all. They're highly radioactive, and uh, and they've got half-lives of half a million years on them, things like that. Anyway, um, they dump them at sea, and they've done a lot more worse than that. They've even dumped them in some of the countries into their lakes, like Scotland, for instance. 
they would drive them up from England at one time and uh, dump them into the lakes, encased in steel drums. Most of them, for the likes of Britain and Europe, they take out to sea and they drop them in the English Channel and in different places like that. Uh, and the stuff eventually corrodes, the, 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 the seawater corrodes uh, the steel. And the idea being that over a period of time, this will dilute the radioactive waste to such an extent that it's, it's negligible. And again, it's further from the truth. It's so far from the truth. But when you, when you dig into that, for instance, you, you find again the brick wall. Uh, of, of government, that the, the very institutions that, that you're taught that you should have some respect for, where you have all these different scientists on board with with the Atomic Commission and, and that kind of thing, and, and they'd never lie to you. And it's because you're, you also are trained to equate knowledge, meaning education, with intelligence. And when, so when you see a bunch of letters behind someone's name, you know, oh my goodness, this guy is so bright and intelligent. You, you, you somehow also, in an infantile way, think they'd never lie to you. And they must be more, more upright in character than you could ever be. And nothing, again, is further from the truth. To, to, you can get people who are incredibly intelligent, uh, who didn't need education, and you find people who, who've had education who are really, really pretty dumb and stupid and, and rather evil characters. There's a lot of them around there, actually. And they're making good livings off of the, of the general public, right down to, <laughs> to death, basically. They're, they're still making money off of you, these professional people. So do not ever think that having a good education has made you intelligent. Or someone else, for that matter, intelligent. It doesn't work out that way. And we've got to stop just thinking that because they have this uh, this slew of uh, abbreviations by their names, that they, you've got to respect them and do what they tell you. Why should you do what anyone tells you without thinking anything through? Not just because they tell you to do it. You've got to think, what well, you know, think it right through yourself. You're the judge, you're the final judge for everything, or you should be, although in reality we're not, of course. So many things are done to us, and we have no, had no say at all. In fact, when you're a child, you expect your parents to have the say on your behalf, and they, they, they're, they're the first ones to get fooled, especially by, say, the medical uh, profession. And don't forget that every profession is a business. You must never lose sight of that. Every profession as a business. Collectively, we are all the business. Everything is made of all of us. And business has never had such a great time of guaranteed profit as it has today if it can get in league with governments and have government mandate that we buy or use or take their product or whatever it happens to be. Guaranteed. If that came all the way down to the government uh, in cahoots, say, right down with uh, not just with big pharma industries and things like that, but take it right down. Supposing the government says you've got to buy a, a spade and start tilling up your garden in the back of your house, 
uh, but you've got to buy this brand of the spade. You, you might scratch. I don't know if people would today scratch their head or just go along with it and say, okay, you know. Uh, I really don't know. But I know at one time they would have, they, they, they would not, not have gone along with it and they'd say, well, what is all this about? And if that, if that was to spread to every item that you need just to get by, right down, down to a pair of scissors uh, to, to cut open a bag of milk over it happens to be, you, you'd make ask questions. But today, you find more and more folk never ask questions. You think you take it all for granted. Now, the children are raised in such a way, because the parents are already caught conned before you, as no doubt their parents were too, in turn. And, and you grow up thinking that everything, therefore, must be quite normal around you. And you go along with everything, and when different associations and authorities mandate things, you go along with it thinking it's all in the up and up, and it's for your benefit, and so on. But again, nothing is further from the truth. We live in the, the most corrupted age, I think, uh, that, that has gotten this, this corrupted uh, than ever before. I really think so. The free trade deals, for instance, that governments have been in cahoots with, that were all mandated by the same Council on Foreign Relations. I've read all the articles. I've read their whole uh, mission from the Council on Foreign Relations of, of drafting up the free trade treaties for the world and all the rest of it. You've got to understand, too, that the corporations that moved to China, for instance, to get slave labor, and it is, it's the dirtiest, cheap, cheap labor you could possibly find. And the corporations, the same brand name corporations, which were paid by our tax money, by our government's authority to go over, and we set them up there and paid for any losses they claimed to incur for so many years. They're getting profits that they never dreamed of before. Before, you expected a reasonable profit because business in the West always had an operating cost. And you took that as quite a natural thing, the operating cost. It could be, it could be over half off your expenses is just operating the business. And half your profit actually could, could actually go into paying off all your own debts. It could even be more than that. But the companies, once they got into free trade, and the whole idea was to get free trade, was so that they could, they could make thousands of percentages of profit by having it made so darn cheap. The cost of the material is dirt cheap. The cost of the labor is dirt cheap. And they can sell it back to the Western countries. Buy a law, bring it in, and don't pay any taxes into the nation as they bring it in for sales taxes and, and make it an, a, the biggest profits they'd ever seen or imagined uh, before. It's disgusting what they expect for the profits today. And we pay it because we've no option but to pay it for the basic things that you need. Uh, but now you've got government getting bigger and bigger and bigger with its plans uh, for, for basically, in, in a fascistic way, the marriage of corporations and government all goes together. In fact, I've read so many articles from the CFR where the, many of their members and the trilaterals too are in and out of corporations and then back in and out of government too. You know, it's, it's a revolving door. And it's planned that way. The complexity of the system we live under, as opposed to the simplistic version they brainwash us with, is incredibly vast. Vast difference. And so many of the things that are done to the public 
uh, are disgusting as well uh, because they're dreamed up by think tanks. Again, educated men, with, along with lawyers. Lawyers are always involved in order to reword and reinterpret existing laws, for instance, to get around the laws. And, and that's their main job. That's why they've never been really liked in history. Because that's what they do. They call them slimy because they slide around uh, existing laws and they, th- and they congratulate each other on being witty about it. You know? And they can also change the meanings of words down through, say, maybe a 50-year span in your life or a 100-year period. And deliberately, gradually change what it means today until they can reinterpret a particular law and say, well, today it means so-and-so, absolutely different than for what it was intended for in the first place. You live amongst a world of cunning, incredible cunning, and it's all around you, and it's indoctrinated into you to accept the word of those who, who are cunning. And in a truly Darwinian fashion, they always you know, applaud themselves at the top, give themselves more titles, not for being such great con men. And they, they keep the, the, the horror show often of the world uh, subdued. Uh, just go to bed at night and, and just go to sleep happily content in the knowledge that you're quite safe. That's, that's what they, you're meant to think, you see. Lately, I was watching, re-watching a, a documentary that was done some years back on, uh, again, as I was talking about earlier, the atomic waste disposal around Britain, Europe, and all the dumping into the sea. How that when the tide comes up in some of these places, these, these beach places, uh, the coastal towns, when the tide comes in at night sometimes, if they test with Geiger counters, the record level of uh, plutonium even, particles, comes in. Ten times over the limit, the 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 the, the, the accepted limit, or, or the, even the, the the overdose limit, ten times over is a normal thing per night, and people die of cancers of all kinds. Now, the elite aren't stupid. The ones who tell you, "Oh, don't worry about it. It's not. It's nothing to do with it." Yada yada yada. And it isn't until occasionally uh, one of them gets cornered and he's got no way out of it that he has to admit to. And even then, it's a smug way uh, uh, as though they're they're talking down to some peon, uh, you know, in rags on the street in in, in the 18th century or something. That's the way they talk down to someone. Well, so what? You know, we have to do this. And and other businesses make these ethical choices. And that's what they put it down to in big business. They call it utilitarian ethics. It's the same for the mass inoculations. They know, they know, they see themselves that there'll be a certain amount will have reactions, they call it, to particular things, and that's acceptable. That, that's um, needs, what they actually say is the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. So in other words, you're always going to have those who suffer, but that's okay because they're a minority. That's how the... That's 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 what there's, it's taught now in business management for that kind of thing, like those kind of businesses. And they say quite easily, it rolls off their tongue quite easily. Now, where they made themselves believe it too, I don't know. But I've, I've found, I have found in my life, going through my life, that liars 
really come in all shapes, sizes, and ages, and positions, and they have no problem in, in telling them the most outrageous lies in the most arrogant fashion, because many of them truly believe they are superior to the, the little pesky little peons that are asking the questions. They really do. The arrogance is incredible. And if you have secrecy in anything, in anything, then something rotten is being done somewhere. And I really mean that. Now, businesses are, are just as apt to, make, to do the same kind of things amongst themselves and keep things quiet from their employees for various reasons as well. But you, when, you, when you have secrecy, uh, you should, yeah, you should be suspicious. Everyone who works should be suspicious when there's secrecy involved in something. Because something nasty is going on somewhere. Maybe even to you, but you don't know it. Yet. But getting back to the, the dumping of um, so-called spent uranium uh, rods, up until into the 60s and the 70s, I know that in Britain they, they were dumping them and I remember it was even a doctor in Scotland who just come into the country from India or somewhere, I think it was. It was in the papers at the time. And he was, he was given a part of the Highland areas in Scotland. And he, he stopped a couple of times to watch these boats going out into one of the lochs. And they were dumping these barrels into the water. And he, he checked up on it, and that's what they found out. He found out they were dumping these spent uranium ones into the water. This isn't the sea either. This, this, is, this is lakes, basically. I do remember myself, when Margaret Thatcher was in, there was a hullabaloo in the papers about long-distance trucks coming in, the big tractor-trailer types. And they would have massive cargoes in behind them with all with the radioactive signs on these drums. And these were the ones that were, that were getting transported back and forth and so on. But they were leaving them unattended overnight at the kind of gas bar, they call them gas bars, but over there, there's basically night stations for where they can, the drivers can get snacks and things like that. And maybe even sleep in the cab or sleep elsewhere. But some of them were getting left unattended. So the government of Britain got round that one, said that the problem was solved. You won't see them anymore in the roads. Well, you wouldn't because it took the signs off of these trucks. <laughs> so you didn't know that they were radioactive at all. That's your standard government answer to something like that, you see. The drums, in this particular video I was watching, from it's an old one. Well, not old, it's a few years but uh, they said that this, they, they signed an agreement, I think in the 90s, perhaps, the 80s and 90s, not to dump any more radioactive material at sea from ships and so on, and drums. So what they did, and they kept it all quiet from the public too, they put in these long, long pipes from the mainland underwater, and, and then they have a few different discharge places on them, to let it, so they could so they go round their own law, and that's what they, that's what governments do. Standard standard procedure. They go round their own law uh, by saying, "Well, it's it's not getting dumped at sea uh, by shipping and, and drums. We're, we're putting it. We're flowing the stuff raw through the pipes instead. So that originates from the mainland, not from the sea." even though it ends up in the sea. That's the standard legalistic nonsense that they, 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 they tie it all up with, you see. It's disgusting, but that's, again, 
that's what we live through, isn't it? That's what we all live through. This, this can, they treat you like children and stupid. And again, officials and scientists will, will, will say this stuff, even in this video, with straight faces. No blushing, no blinking in the eyes. No, good psychopaths all. And that's what they'll tell you. Well, you know, we're not dumping it. See, technically we're dumping it in the mainland and it just flows down these pipes into the water. And Yeah. So it gives them a chance to put more stuff into the ocean at once. Whereas before, even the old, the old drums, that were, some of the drums would, would start dissolving before others would take years to leak. That, that way it would get diluted a bit more evenly spaced, you might say. But with the, with the pipes, oh, it's directly into the water, and that's it. And then when you find collections, well, it's, like, it's just like the same as the global warming scam, the climate scam. You'll you find the scientists that take the paychecks because their career now has, has got they're well buttered for life, whereas before they probably wouldn't get a job. Now they're, they're well buttered for life for saying all the right things. What do you want to say? Okay, I'll say that. And that's them. You know. Then there's other scientists that, that you'll find do their own slogan with their own money and everything else, collecting samples of, of radioactive waste, etc., around Europe, around the beaches. And they make professionally tested. And there's the results. You see them professionally testing it. It's not done in some little wooden shack somewhere. And uh, here's the results. And then they go back with the results to the people who are in charge of it all, who again blink and go into their robot mode. They all do robo- robotic modes. And they'll say, well, utilitarian ethics, where the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Now, the few are the folk, uh, all these expanding wards of leukemia cases and that you see, especially amongst the young, and the hospitals around all these towns who are, who've got all they've got their cancer wards expanding with the youth coming in with different cancers and, and so on. And, and that's, how, that's how it's done. That's why, by the way, the elite have had many talks for their subordinates. The subordinates are not the people down below our level. The subordinates are all the top high, almost invisible scientific elites and world managers that work on their behalf. And, and they've talked about, uh, they're a step above the TED Talks, you might say. You might say the TED Talks are a step below what they teach the managers away above them. And they've had their talks about their so-called breakout, what they call breakaway civilizations, what Bertrand Russell was talking about, where the elite themselves would eventually, you might say, could comprise a different breed, a different race of people. Uh, because it was so superior to all the rest of the public, just simply by their understanding, their knowledge of how things really, really are. That's not a difficult thing to do when you read, when you when you understand how things really, really are, and you make sure the rest of the public are trained to believe a completely different version how, of how the world really, really happens to be. <laughs> it's not difficult at all, is it? But they they do have their talks on their own survival, always of their own survival. And the elite of every country are in on it. There are no exceptions. If you have the incredible wealth and you've held on to it for a few generations in your own family dynasties, uh, then you're part of the elite 
and you're given access to your privileged positions and privileged uh, futures, right down to always making sure collectively, as the upper elite collective, they'll all survive together. But they also have talks about how to depopulate the rest of the public. And it's being done. It is being done. Through, I won't go through it all. Because actually, in Canada, it's becoming more and more illegal to say anything uh, in a critical fashion. Uh, and I think it's in other countries too. Not all countries, but some of them, for sure. And um, you have to be careful uh, on stressing what's your opinion and again, using all the different legalities as opposed to, to here is the, the fact as you know it, basically. It's all semantics. It's all semantics. But the facts, the facts happen to be that it's getting more and more taboo in this day and age to pass on your opinions to other people if they happen to be contrary, especially in a truly truthful view <laughs> of here's facts. Uh, which which government isn't forbidding you to know, but they'd rather you, you didn't. They'd rather you didn't know, and they'd certainly rather you didn't you didn't mention it to other people, because the facts are always out there, really, to an extent. Not always, not all of them. In the upper 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 meetings, you you won't hear about them. You'll hear about the ones from the the the, the scientific elite downwards. You hear about their global meetings, uh, but you won't hear about the ones above them, really. It doesn't work out that way. It's interesting, even in that awful, stupid movie, disaster movie, 2012, where they, all the elite have to go to China to go on these, these pre-made um, ships that would survive uh, catastrophes as the, as the crust of the earth broke up and everything else. It was all the, the wealthy elite who were chosen to go. Uh, the rest of the world's little peons all, well, got drowned. And that was the natural thing to do. Again, um, that's their utilitarian ethics. And they truly are taught this. They'll, they start it off with, with under the guise. This is, you understand you can indoctrinate children in school or university quite easily by bringing them through a process. And you can call it anything you want, but it's still the same process. And the process is meant to take you to an ultimate acceptance of an idea. But you don't tell them that at the beginning. You tell them at the beginning, you're going to teach them logic through philosophy. And then you guide them through a process. And that's the whole, key, the whole, the whole point of it. You guide them through a process till they come to the conclusions that you know they're going to come to because you've, got, you've guided them. Uh, where they'll accept the very premise that, again... Utilitarian ethics, needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. And they start with the simplest thing, the simplistic things. Again, uh, well, so many people in a, in a rubber dinghy, um, that where the boat's uh, sunk and there's only the rubber dinghy, there's five folk in it, there's only four loaves of bread left, uh, what do you going to do? Etc., etc., etc. That's how they, they lead you to this, this premise. And that's how all those who are up there in the commanding positions uh, and advising governments in a scientific fashion on anything, uh, that's, that's the spiels they go into. And you also find so many of them are already on the, the payrolls at the same time of big, big corporations as they advise the governments on what to do.
So do you expect them to be honest? Well, it's up to you. I've given you mainstream articles before, where even in the U.S., which is a bit more open than some countries, it's still it's still rather deceitful. But it's still it's, you still have, I think, more ability in the U.S. to say certain things um, that, that's going on. At least inquire about them. Elsewhere, as I say, it's going to be made up to taboo subjects to inquire about anything. Government really has has gotten to the the arrogant stage, which is a dangerous stage to be at. It's been interesting, actually, it'd be very interesting to to do studies on the people, on the type of people going into government now. They have all them, of course, for the the people who get, who actually are are doing all the studies, and all of us, all the the data collection agencies. This is where they do the true studies, but we never get given access to all their findings at all. Uh, but they understand exactly who are getting in, the kind of personality types they want, uh, and and but but they certainly will know why they're getting this this particular type. And now it's so arrogant, that it's bordering on the stage of being very dangerous, very dangerous, when you get such arrogance and power, uh, even on a bureaucratic level. But that's that is a dangerous thing to have. As as I've mentioned. We don't live in a really honest world. We have the right to, and abilities to be honest, but very few folk are these days. I think, too, part of the problem is, is that they've had so much indoctrination into falsehoods by cleverly engineered toolkits, as like to call them in schools, which is meant to, again, make sure the child has the right opinion on certain things. How do you, how do you bring them to that particular right opinion? Well, this is how you do it. Here's the formula. But you've got to start here in the beginning. If you start halfway through the formula, they might not get it. You must, And this has all been tried and tested with, uh, with, with specialists in psychology and so on. But then you also have the incredible amount of entertainment. There's never been, I guess it gets worse all the time, the generations growing up, and bombarded from every age group. The, toddler, the toddlers, for instance, are bombarded and babysat by television. So they have been for a long, long, long time. And then you go look into what they're watching for their cartoons, and you look at the political correctness embedded in everything, everything, to make sure that, that you're, you're, this child is going to be yours for life. You look at the nonsense that they're fed and big grants given to the writers for all the stations for putting, for putting this kind of stuff into their cartoons. Same in the, in the novelists and the children's books as well. Captain Captain Planet and all the nasty people, what they're doing to the place, all the people's fault. There's too many of them, blah, 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 blah. Right down to here you are and we're going to punish you all by carbon taxing. And we'll punish you for for wanting to travel from here to there when you should be staying in your own little Agenda 21 area without a, a vehicle. Part of the collective. But all those who promote all this stuff to you, including the NGO leaders, non-governmental organization leaders, they are just the proxy armies for the big foundations. They all have their cars, their private vehicles and everything else. But you won't. And you'll find people will, will compete. They'll even have games to see who's so goody, 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 and goody, goody, goody green, and they'll get all the goody green awards for the for the year. Been so altruistic for society and humanity. And you'll see this. If they don't have it already on television, I don't know. I don't watch TV. 
because it's, it's the best brainwashing thing ever devised, to be honest with, with you. And you definitely will not have a mind of your own if you do. But an indoctrination is embedded, as I say, through cartoons for children and little fairy stories, all the way up through your life to the adults to constant, constant upgrading of your politically correct ideas and opinions. The authorised versions. Now, governments can always get what they want on behalf of their masters above them. Especially when it comes down to more and more control over every individual. That's always been the big thing. I've mentioned before how Jack's Elul talked about the data collection on every single individual that back in the 1950s they used card deck systems, card type systems, and they had files on every single individual in Europe at the time, and they said North America. And you didn't know that even back then, because the governments aren't, it's best to keep it all quiet, or that they're all spying on you. Now, for the few folk who had to know something about it back then, uh, they were told it was because of the Cold War. That was the excuse given then. And then, I think back in the 1980s, some of the old, old uh, Cold War characters who were in the Labour Party in Britain, who were basically communists, talked about the realities of themselves being spied on. And they uh, gave some amazing stories, some very humorous ones as well, of how they were constantly being spied on, etc. But it was admitted through them uh, that the mail, the royal mail, it was supposed to be like, it was so closely and secretively guarded, almost like doctor's confidence used to be at one time before they put it all on the computer. And then told you it's better to share it with everybody. Um, you find that they were opening the mail in specialized post offices where mail was directed to them if, if people's names were on them on a list. And they would open them. They had the same stamps from all different countries. And they could literally reseal them in brand new envelopes from this, of the same type and stamp them and, so, and send them on to, their, to the people uh, that was destined to accept them. Uh, but look how easy it is today. But today, you see, they needed something beyond just the, the, the Cold War. And they needed an idea for, oh, international terrorism. Because the goal was always to spy on every single individual. And you've got to understand why it's all done. You, collectively, we're all part of the business. We are the business, as I say. Each one of us is an economic unit and a potential unit all through your life for tax gathering and spending. Uh, you're also, uh, if you're able-bodied, you're, you're building a list for potential call-up. Even if you don't know it, uh, they, they, if they bring another big war on, they'll call you up, and away you go. You have, in other words, you have purpose and, and usefulness to the, the, the people who own the countries at the top. But as I said, to get all the data on everybody, they needed something better than a Cold War. They needed international terrorism. You couldn't bring it all about upon a public if the Cold War was dead. And here's you uh, wanting to know, uh, keep tabs on everybody in the country, all, every citizen in the country, and the Cold War is dead. What do you do? I mean, oh, well, you have to get, you've got to get some other means in very fast to 
to start collecting, to, to, to again, you never stop collecting data on everybody, but now you've got more and more and more and more. And, and all, your, all your electronic businesses too, massive businesses, are ready to boom with, with data collection. And away they go. Terrorism, terrorism everywhere. And it's so wonderful the way that they, they work. When you don't really think about it, it's so clever. And then they, they tell you, and they convince you, well, you can't really have privacy anymore and, and be safe at the same time. Right after nine, when the dust wasn't cleared from 9-11, the towers, when they were already asking you, and all different countries, including Canada, would you give up your freedoms and your rights for security? Questionnaires on, on TV shows and things like man in the street interviews, all that kind of nonsense. But they, were all, they all went into the same act across Britain, the European countries, uh, and uh, Canada. Uh, no doubt they did it too in Australia and different places. At the same time, all coordinated, are you willing to give up your rights and freedoms for security? Well, of course, you have no freedoms and you have no rights. And you certainly have no security if you give up your, 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 your rights in the first place. Now, when things have been passed in a law and you accept them, or you don't complain about them, then it's over. You can't go back. You never go backwards. You can't regain things which you gave up voluntarily. It doesn't work like that. It would never happen. Even, and you've seen it yourselves in, in the last few years, where governments have promised to stop doing this or that part of their invasive uh, whatever it happens to be, and then you find out a few weeks later that, uh, oh, they're still doing it under a different name or whatever. That's how things really work. You, <laughs> you truly are closer to a slave. A happier slave, absolutely. And again, even old Rockefeller, the late Rockefeller, mentioned it too, how the folk would come to them and, and basically be servile and so on and, and be happy doing so. You find the same thing with Aldous Huxley, who said the people could be made to love their servitude because you give them uh, plenty of scope to be entertained and they can fantasize until the cows come home and they'll cause no trouble at all. They'll go along with all the little nuisances in, in life as long as they get their, their soma at the end of it. And the soma can take the, take the, the form of, again, even heavy entertainment of all kinds, distractions. That's what a drug is. It's a temporary distraction, isn't it? Whereas that or entertainment is the same thing. So you can have happy slaves who will cause no problem most of the time. And then you make sure that you have enough threats out there. They all know what the threats are if they ever feel or get to the edge of causing a problem. That's, that's so, so you self-police yourself, as they call it, the United Nations. Self-policing. And so psychology and neuroscience has had a great effect on controlling us all and training us all. The, the training techniques are wonderful from birth to death now. And I'm not exaggerating at all. And getting back to the beginning of my talk, uh, we're trained to see things in a, a way which is awfully nice. It's nice to believe that the world really is there, all, all, all working for the good of the whole, the collective, all working together by responsible people uh, in all the responsible positions of authority. 
it's a very comforting fantasy. And it stops people from being an awful nuisance to those in charge. Now I'm going to just touch on a few links to stories which are interesting. They, they tie in together. Uh, but just to show you, uh, again, that the constant sharing, everything starts off to be local, then it's national, then it's international sharing of all your data. If you don't think that you have a world government, come on. Come on. Huh? Mm. This is Canada is eyeing greatly expanded sharing of immigration information, such as fingerprints of visa applicants, with not only the United States, but other key allies. And it goes through their, their abilities and, and what they're doing to, to do this and why they're sharing it all, yada, yada, yada. The sharing on border immigration, but also uh, the five country conference characters all involved, uh, the ones that, that, that we share them with other countries, so there are five, the five eyes. And uh, Canada, it says, assumes chairmanship of the conference the year that this article was actually written and published. It says, through a protocol initiated in 2009, Canada can share about 3,000 fingerprint records annually with each conference partner. Now, whenever they tell you something like, here's the final, the total, no, don't believe it, for goodness sake. That, that kind of thing is for children. That they, they can share about 3,000. Is it written on stone? They can't go above that. Of course it isn't. Uh, but this is how they always try to play something down. And it's not for the real reason, as I say, in a way. Then you have this article, too, from 2014. New Zealand at the time was left out of the Five Eyes DNA deal because now you see they want your DNA as well, not just biometrics, they want DNA samples. And it says New Zealand had been left at an agreement that lets other Five Eye nations uh, search each other's DNA databases. Australia and the United Kingdom have signed a memorandum of understanding and the program will also include the United States and Canada. Australia's Minister for Justice, Michael Keenan, said the agreement would allow the partner countries to fight transnational crime. (laughs) Uh, Mr. Keenan said uh, other biometric data could also be exchanged in the future. However, a police spokesperson said New Zealand had not been asked to be part of the agreement as current law there in New Zealand does not allow for DNA data sharing. Now, here's what it says. The spokesperson said on the few occasions that New Zealand needed DNA information from other countries, it could request it through Interpol. <laughs> so they always give you a back door when they say, oh, we can't do that in our country. We've got laws about that. But here's a back door where they can do it. Isn't that pretty standard, eh? And remember, too, all the articles are written with the view that it's a public who are going to view them. So they're not going to tell you much of the truth. And then this article here says, when Apple started selling its iPhone uh, 5S with a Touch ID fingerprint reading sensor, all of the people or us entered the biometric age a little or a bit, it says here. And it says, Apple acquired the technology when it purchased uh, Authentech in 2012. Samsung followed quickly with its own version of the tech in the Galaxy S5 and soon to be released S6. This, now, this, I don't know when this article was actually written. I guess it was written, yeah, 2015 in March, this one. But it goes into the, how they've been doing it already. 
and then it goes into um, with telecoms companies uh, Qualcomm promising to release the 3D fingerprint reader shortly having one in your pocket could become increasingly standard in the next two years now everything as you know is, is put out there and authorised is for international sharing there's nothing private anymore if you're using electronics take it for granted there's nothing private in it at all uh, right down to, you know, use your fingers here. And oh, isn't it wonderful? Just like, the, just like the movies they showed you, the sci-fi movies, you can just move all the little icons around with your fingertips as it takes your fingerprints at the same time. They never told you that in the beginning, but that's what it was for. <laughs> uh, beautiful, isn't it? Anyway, uh, this one here goes through all the different uh, uh, secret stuff, secret information uh, that various devices get from you without you knowing about it. And then this one here, in January 2017, the Australian government has proposed a biometric border control system designed to permit the majority of travellers through passport checks without human assistance by 2020. The Seamless Traveller project, first announced in 2015, has a budget of $93.7 million, which is £57 million, uh, in the British system, for, for the next five years has begun the hunt for technology providers which could provide biometric solutions, including facial, iris, and fingerprint recognition. Beyond removing the need for human intervention, the proposed biometric system would also replace current electronic passport stations introduced over the last decade. The Minister of Immigration and Border Protection, Peter Dutton, commented, through the use of cutting-edge technologies such as smart gates, we are providing benefits for your Benefit, you understand, but benefits to travellers and industry while meeting national security challenges head on. In other words, your government in cahoots with big corporations is mandating this is how you're going to have to go ahead in the future, and you're paying for it all. Anyway, uh, since with the introduction of the, pro- of the project, inevitable privacy concerns have been raised. The new system follows a controversial law passed in 2015 which allows the government wider control over the collection of biometric data from citizens as well as from foreign travellers and miners uh, uh, passing through the nation's air and sea ports. And and the rest of it is just the guff as they try to really con you. Uh, uh, poor cons as well. Anyone who believes what they're getting, how they're getting conned, if they really believe it, well, I, 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 you're, you're a few cents short of the dollar. Also, biometrics entry-exit clause in Trump's executive order could cause logistical problems, it says. Uh, The order on immigration and refugees proposes that all non-citizens be subjected to biometric checks when entering or leaving the U.S. could lead to widespread logistical issues. Uh, The order calls for a U.S. ban on all visitors with visas from seven Muslim-majority countries, as well as national biometric ID program for non-citizens entering and leaving the U.S. That can cause a problem, actually, with a lot of people who are just stopping over in the U.S., uh, in the airport for, as the planes change, you know, that happens, etc. So it's be interesting to see how they manage that. Unless you just can't get off the, you maybe get all confined to a passenger's room or something while the, the, the change over planes come in and things. I don't know. I don't know how it works that. But anyway, it's all to do with more and more data and, and you're, you're really, as well as, as well right now, it's just saying, okay, what else, what's left that you want? Because they've got everything else. In fact, they've got pretty well what you're thinking about. They can tell what you're thinking about by, by the stuff that you look at every day, by your conversations on their phones. And, 
and all your little texting and all they get they got it all worked out. Uh, right down to uh, the, the, the article about <laughs> oh this new system that's going to help uh, the computers and the systems read your lips, read your lips. So you'll never get any privacy even in the middle of a field anymore. They're, they're reading your lips and the computer's deciphering it supposedly. Uh, it's just rather pathetic, isn't it? And then you've got some. Um, the House Republicans would let employers in the U.S. demand genetic test results. A little notice bill moving through the U.S. Congress would allow companies to require employees to undergo genetic testing or risk pay a penalty of thousands of dollars and let employers see that genetic and other health information. Giving employers such power is now prohibited by legislation including the 2008 Genetic Privacy and Non-Discrimination Law known as GINA. The new bill gets around that landmark law by stating explicitly that GINA and other protections do not apply when genetic tests are part of, here's the wording, a workplace wellness program. So again, the lawyers, you know, getting around it all. The bill HR 1313 was approved by a House committee Wednesday with all 22 Republicans supporting it and all 17 Democrats opposed. It's been overshadowed by the debate over the House GOP proposal to repeal and replace the Affordable Care Act, but the genetic testing bill is expected to be folded into a second ACA-related measure containing a grab bag of provisions that do not affect federal spending, as the main bill does. And it goes on in this article, too. Now, remember, too, that uh, if you had anything at all, they might pick up on and say, oh, well, this, this could run in your family. I'm not going to employ you. Or if, if, if you're already employed, they might say, oh, well, if this runs in your family, let's get rid of you before you, it starts to affect you and you start going off sick and or whatever. You know. Quite something, eh? Also, a goodbye boarding pass, hello fingerprints, how biometrics is changing travel as they condition us. This is all quite normal. And... It just goes on and on and on, doesn't it? It makes you sick. And then, you, you know, you can always tell these so-called scientists are out to be a name for themselves. They get nothing. You understand, climate scientists are a dime a dozen. I used to sign on with the government to, 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 to swear that they'll repeat everything they're told is to, to say. Australian climate scientists says having a baby is an ethical entanglement. And that's how you get a, a headline in the papers to get your name out there. The climate activists having babies is apparently a troubling ethical dilemma, a distressing personal combination to the global anthropogenic carbon footprint, I mean man-made global warming. Uh, but somehow uh, they keep popping them out. I'm worried that having a baby will make climate change worse. No, no this, this person is not at all. That's the way you get your name in the paper because nothing else will. And um, a few other ones as well. Climate oh, <laughs> climate increases diabetes rates. It's another thing that I've come up with. No, I'm not kidding you. It's, it's been the, the climate. The climate's a problem. Not not your mouth there. You know, if it's diabetes too, that is. No, it's nothing to do with overeating. You know, it's a climate. And then um, you've got another one very similar to that too. It's just it's just getting sillier and sillier and sillier. But you know this. This is what we're fed. This this day. This is what they call news today, uh, because we're in this big push where the general population are being trained to live and to, and be part to, to try and be comfortably part of 
nonsense, nonsense, no sense, nonsense. And to, to train them that nonsense is normal. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's living it. Everybody's talking it. Nonsense is normal. Because anything that really, really matters to you, it won't be told to you because you, you see, you're all the children. You're the children. They don't want to scare you. If they scare you, you might start getting angry and demand that something be done. Or worse, they'll even do it. But for goodness sake, never expect the truth. Never expect it. Worse still, please don't start parting stuff as though it is the truth. That's authorized from the top. I'll put up some links tonight too to do with all the the transborder, that's US to Canada, the provinces and the states, agreements they've made on carbon treaties already, regardless of what the government will do. The federal government, you see. Everyone's been taken care of. And the big boys at the very, very top always get what they want. I can't think of an instance where they haven't. That's sad, isn't it? But at least you can keep your sanity by knowing it. And unfortunately, most folk don't know it or care. Or they'll tell you, I don't want to know that. That's bad news. Because they've been taught to look at the positive and turn their backs on the negative. And that's been a very, again, deliberate program of teaching them through what they call the new age. Don't look at the negative. Always be positive. And that way, when the, when the train comes up their back and they can't hear it, they get run over, and that's that. Can you really, really feel sorry for them? I can, actually. Because world, the world really has been run by experts. They understand how to create the perfect obedience within the population. And it must, it's awfully good. I mean, Aldous Huxley said that he was afraid. On interviews with Mike Wallace, he said he was afraid that that they knew they were back then in the 1950s and 60s. He says, he says that, that a small group of specialists, who was talking about scientific elite, could take over the minds of the populations of the world without the people knowing and manage them all. And remember that he'd already written Brave New World in the 1930s. He knew it could be done because he mixed with the with his own class at the top, the managerial elite, the scientific managerial elite. Well, that's it for tonight from myself, Alan Watt from Ontario, Canada. This good night to me, your God or your God's skull with you. 